This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. It's official. COVID is completely over because almost everyone I know is sick or has someone sick in their family, right? I had the sinus infection last week. Sounds like Todd may have it now. Aaron's uh, little guy, Ben, is struggling. I know all kinds of people that have bugs going around. So it appears all of the viral interference of COVID is now over. And we're going to have the last three flu seasons all at once here at the beginning of March. Nevertheless, we persisted and we will continue. We will march on. Want to let you know if you are a Blaze TV subscriber. And if you're not, today might be the day you might want to become one. Uh, because this afternoon at 2 p.m. Central, I'm going to be hosting the Off the Record private Q&A exclusively for Blaze TV subscribers. Your chance to, to chat with me about anything and everything that is on your mind. That's where this week's Ask Me Anything will actually be held exclusively for Blaze TV subscribers this week. So no big tech sensors uh, looking over our shoulder. So no topic is off limits except maybe nefarious spoilers. If you're not a Blaze TV subscriber and you want to take part in today's chat, head over to blazetv.com slash off the record. Sign up today so you can join the conversation. That's uh, use the promo code off the record, off the record. Uh, other Blaze TV hosts and I, we do these live chats on a regular basis so that you guys can have more of a direct line of access to us. I love doing them, so make sure to sign up now. Live chat takes place today at 2 p.m. Central. Head over to blazetv.com slash off the record to subscribe today so that you can join us. Aaron, do you know, do they archive these? They do indeed. All yeah, right, that so reminds you, me, I need to record this as uh, well. All right, so here, if you're, if you're listening to this later today and you're a podcast listener, and you're like, oh, I missed the window. Nope. These are archived as well. So you can still head over to blazetv.com slash off the record to subscribe today. Blazetv.com slash off the record. We'll be doing that live today at 2 o'clock. All right, coming up on today's program, next hour. These are the kinds of things probably aren't the most... Um, profitable but in terms of integrity they are here's the thing uh, you know we came out first show of the year with a new contract and a movie about to come out and another book about to come out and I didn't even tell Todd and Aaron I was going to do this right remember first show of the year man I just came out guns blazing yeah. setting the marker down don't think because we quote unquote have arrived or we are ascending that we're going to suddenly now um, play the the con ink game we're not doing that here no waste in ammo. We're going to the mattresses all the way to the end. Finish the race, right? We, we, we set that pace and we set that tone right from the opening salvo, the opening monologue of the show for 2023. 
So let me tell you what the smart thing to do for me is. Because I do have a movie coming out that requires the most mass amount of support within our own base as possible, the smart thing for me to do would be to avoid topics that within our base would alienate people because people within our base have different opinions of them and on them. For example, candidates, right? Yes. Like the best thing to do would be to just say, you know what? That whole presidential primary thing is going to be going on a lot longer after April 14th when Nefarious opens in theaters nationwide, right? But that's not how we roll here. I mean, we, we just... Ultimately, ultimately, other than our creator, we made the decision here that we are accountable to you, the audience, and you expect and demand our best and should get it. So last week, essentially, the unofficial beginning of the 2024 Iowa caucus cycle slash GOP presidential cycle, and heck, man, maybe even the Democrat presidential cycle, RFK Jr. is talking about challenging Joe Biden, okay? Last week, things really got underway. From Ron DeSantis releasing what instantly became the best-selling book in the country, Donald Trump giving one of the best speeches probably in the entire history of CPAC. Like maybe you think of the greatest speeches in CPAC history, Rush Limbaugh about 15 years ago. I think Ronald Reagan at the very first CPAC, maybe the most famous speech there ever. The bold colors, not pale pastels. Or one of the first CPACs. And then there was... Donald Trump, man, just friggin' empty in the clip yesterday or Saturday. Okay. That was like if Donald Trump called Steve Dace and said, write me a speech. Everything was in there except for one thing. <laughs> uh We all know what that one thing is. And there will be a time and a place where that will certainly be reckoned here in Iowa. I can assure you of that. But pretty much everything else you'd ever want to hear him say about why he's doing this again was in that speech. And then we mentioned... RFK Jr. talking about challenging Joe Biden in the Democratic primary. I'm just telling you, he would be a real threat to him, I think, in Iowa because of the medical freedom issue. And remember, Joe Biden is the only person ever to become the president of the United States without having a top three finish in Iowa. No one else, in a contested Iowa caucus, no one else has ever done it. So it's not like he's got, you know, Uh, It's not like he has much of a base here. The Democratic Party between the Trump era and the Kim Reynolds era has been absolutely not DeSantis annihilated, but it's been, you know, we're not a purple state anymore and and it was most of our lives. So this is now the time we think that we need to go ahead and establish our own plumb line for you, hold us accountable to it, how we're going to be covering this now, now that it's underway, pretty much all the way. So we're going to spend next hour laying out that plumb line. And what matters is talking about what matters when it actually matters to you, not to me. And so we're going to get into this next hour uh, on the show in depth, kind of let's all take a deep breath. It'll get divisive. That's okay. It can be divisive. It doesn't have to be toxic. Toxic and divisive are not the same thing. All right. It can get argumentative. That's okay. Argumentative and toxic, not the same thing. It can get disagreeable. It can get skeptical. That's okay. Argumentative, disagreeable, skeptical, toxic, 
condescending, not the same thing. So we're going to do our best to make our show at least one of the places that you can go to for adult conversation about this for the next, say, 11 months heading into Iowa when the first votes will be cast. So that is what we're going to do next hour of the show because it's clear now the starting gun has been sounded. We are off, and here we go. All right? Speaking of which, our good friend Bob Vanderplotz, I mentioned just about everybody I know is sick right now. He's one of them. But that's all right. We have, we have quite the, uh, the, the pitcher in the bullpen waiting to, to come in and relieve him. Vivek Ramaswamy is going to join us coming up at the bottom of this hour. Had a chance to meet him a couple of weeks ago. First Iowa caucus event that I attended. And I have to tell you, to get that amount of people out this early in the cycle on what was an absolutely brutally cold night. Very impressive. So we'll give you a chance to get to know him. We'll get into more of the specific. It's March 6th. Plenty of time to get into specifics. But unlike the other candidates, he doesn't have a record. So who is he? What, what's his belief system? What's his worldview? What are his driving impulses, influences? We're going to give you a chance to get to know him a little bit when he joins us here at the bottom of the hour. And then we'll lay out kind of the broader vision for the show as we cover this vitally important election cycle um, starting uh, really full time for the first time today, next hour of the show. But before we get to all of that, of course, let us begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by a Florida man goes to California. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis went to California and the Reagan Ranch this weekend. I know you guys got a lot of problems out here, but your governor's very concerned about what we're doing in Florida, so I figured I had to come by. DeSantis continues his national tour this week, promoting his book, The Courage to be Free. He was also in Texas over the last few days as well. At CPAC, here's Donald Trump. I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Also at CPAC, this is Debbie Bernal, Pfizer whistleblower, who says she feared for her life after helping James O'Keefe and Project Veritas expose her former employer, Pfizer. But she said, I realize that the spirit of fear is not from the Lord. And as a believer, I knew that I couldn't just sit there. I couldn't just sit there and watch. People get lied to. People get gaslit. It made me angry. Marianne Williamson is running for president again. The author turned wannabe politician told ABC News they and the rest of the system can stick it where the sun don't shine. So the system that is now saying that I'm unserious, I'm not credible, or I'm a long shot, is the very system that protects and maintains this idea that only those whose careers have been entrenched within the system that drove us into a ditch should possibly be considered qualified to lead us out of that ditch. My qualification is not that I know how to perpetuate that system. My qualification is that I know how to disrupt it. RFK Jr. told a crowd in New Hampshire on Friday he's considering running for president as well. He told WMUR-TV. He'd run on progressive campaign issues. On the, the, the rigging of the system, the uh, war against America's middle class. But one issue puts Kennedy out of step with the Democratic Party. For years, he's been a leader in the vaccine resistance movement. 
and all of these injuries that I speak about to children, there is no bigger issue for our country than that. What would you say to someone who is skeptical about you based on your vaccine activism, that they disagree with you, they might agree with you on everything else, but they disagree with how you've handled yourself there? Show me where I got it wrong. Both Williamson and RFK Jr. would be running as Democrats. Breaking news, Bernie Sanders isn't a socialist after all. Here he is on Real Time with Bill Maher. Equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think, I think so. I think that's Okay. Fine. So which, do you come, which side do you come down on? Uh, equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on, thousands of farmers ground the city of Brussels, Belgium to a halt over the weekend, protesting that government's plans to cut nitrate levels, which would put many farmers out of work. The government's excuse is that they're trying to preserve water quality. Leaked text message exchanges between former top health officials in the UK show them scheming to, quote, deploy news about older variants of COVID because the fear and guilt factor was key in the government's messaging. In one exchange, former health minister Matt Hancock texts, quote, we frighten the pants off everyone with the new strain, end quote. Headline at Reuters, 70 years after death, Stalin's polarizing legacy looms large. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, 700 years later, the Black Death's polarizing legacy looms large. Russell Brand went on the Joe Rogan experience last week. I feel that in a way what the pandemic did was it revealed the long con of corporatization of government. That if over the last 50, 60 years, it, it, government has become increasingly corporatized, that democracy has become increasingly hollowed out and irrelevant, it just took a crisis event to reveal the extent to which that had taken place. That's what's wild about it. If you killed 60,000 people with your company and, you know, your company, whatever your company made, your, your company makes peanut butter and that peanut butter killed 60,000 people, they'd be like, you got to stop making peanut butter. It's delicious. Yeah. But with <sighs> the drug companies, they're like, oh, your experimental drug where you lied about all the tests killed 60,000 people. Well, we're going to need a small portion of the money that you made as as a fine and finally this from the Babylon Bee uh, good morning everyone uh, as you know uh, there have been some recent reports suggesting that our vaccine is not safe uh, this of course is ridiculous if you look at the science uh, you will see that uh, there are no side effects in fact I myself have been boosted four times boosted four times this notion that vaccines can have any kind of side effect is a right-wing conspiracy bolstered by MAGA Republicans, hate groups, and probably Russia. Look, would we vaccinate 7 billion people if there were side effects? Side effects? Of course not. It's dangerous and, quite frankly, irresponsible to blame the recent uptick of people suddenly collapsing on our product. Healthy people have always suddenly Fallen to the ground from heart. And that's what happened while we were away. They get it. Oh, it gets better after that. You got to go watch the full video. Wow. On their YouTube channel. Wow. We were having a, a conversation within the uh, brain trust of the nefarious movie LLC. Whether the Babylon Bee was a good fit to market the film. And I'm like... Anywhere that embraces subversive content, 
we should, especially on the right, yes, we should be marketing this film. And then I saw that video <laughs> and I'm like, I think I had the right take on that. I mean, wow, that's, where do they go after that? Because that's about, that's about as good as it gets, man. For, for an outlet that has had a lot of, that's about as good as it gets. Well, after watching that, you may be wondering, we are in trouble. Indeed, that's why I get a hold of our friends over at MyPatriotSupply.com. Stock up on their three-month emergency food kit. When you do, you'll get $200 worth of rugged survival gear as a free bonus as well. Um, and then take advantage of breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full complement of the 2,000 plus calories a day you need from our friends over at MyPatriotSupply.com. Oh, by the way, free shipping too. And the food stays good for well over 20 years with proper storage. MyPatriotSupply.com, $200 bonus gift, free survival gear, and free shipping when you go to MyPatriotSupply.com. So let us get to the montage. We'll get more into the presidential stuff next hour. I just want to stay, say briefly, though, man, competition is always a good thing. Just those brief clips that Aaron showed is what those two guys represent at their best. Trump, I'm your cudgel. I am your sledgehammer. Basically, given the Kevin Conroy speech from Batman the Animated Series, I am the knight, right? I am your retribution. That's a freaking great line, by the way. That, that is a great line. Those are lines I put into speeches that people won't say. <laughs> right? That's a great line. But then you have Ron DeSantis saying, I'm the vision. I, I have, I'm, I've done it. I've made it happen. I reset the debate. And I, I mean, I, I don't know, man. How many cycles have we gone into? We weren't sure we had any killers. Now we think we might have two and people are freaking out. Are you kidding me? Don't freak out. Put a steel cage around those two and let them go at it. Because that greatly increases the odds that the one that comes out is ready to be a stone cold killer. Proverbially speaking, of course. I want to discuss, I didn't see that Barry Sanders, or Barry Sanders, Bernie Sanders clip before. And I even reacted. I don't do that a lot in the montage. I was like, whoa, watching that live, guys. I mean, all three of us in different stages of our life were basically rush kids growing up, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I would have been in college, right, as his initial ascendancy. Aaron would have grown up completely in the shadow of the rush era. How many Rush Limbaugh monologues can you think of or, or side notes or digressions over the, over the many years of his excellence in broadcasting were Rush articulating the difference between the right and the left in equality of, of, of opportunity versus an equity of outcomes, right? How many times? Mm -hmm. How many times did you hear him say that over the years? Many. I mean, that's, that was one of his baseline creeds of his entire platform. Worldview.
Isn't that what just Bernie Sanders just said? Yes. Remember a few years ago we were, we did that skit with Thanos? Thanos or Margaret Sanger, remember that? <laughs> we did that a few years ago? Who said who said this? I believe in an equality of opportunity, not an equity of outcomes. Bernie Sanders or Rush Limbaugh? The answer. Yes. Now, let me let you in on a little secret here. He's always believed that. This guy's on a nationwide book tour for a polemic against capitalism that you can purchase at Amazon right now for $29.95 hardcover, of course. What do you think Bernie's advance on that was, maybe? Six figures minimum? Maybe seven? Maybe a fourth house in the offing, do you think, for the Sanders family? Don't they have three of them, I believe? That's what I've been told. It's always been a game. They don't believe this stuff. There are no real socialists. There are no real communists. There's just people that are willing to cynically, not sincerely, they don't really believe it. Because whenever they get done rounding up the guns, they then realize we're the only ones that have the guns. So we don't have to redistribute the money. That's Animal Farm. It's always been a will to power. What they're against is an equality of opportunity for people they disagree with. That's the difference. That is the difference right there. They're totally fine with a meritocracy amongst themselves. They're totally fine with capitalism amongst themselves. Equality of opportunity for thee. Equity of outcome for thou. It's about, we disagree with you. So we will use these systems to get power over you. The problem they're having over there is that, and that's what the Russell Brand and Joe Rogan conversation is about, See, those folks are talking to a different ecosystem than... Think of the biggest shows we have on our side right now. Beck, Bongino, Shapiro, Walsh. Right? Yeah. Rogan and Brand are talking to a totally different ecosystem than any of those shows can reach combined. Because a lot of times they're talking to the same people just a lot more than we can reach. Mm -hmm. They're talking to the other half of America. And the problem they're having over there now is a lot of those people who thought this stuff was sincere. It's, it's my buddy Naomi Wolf today tweeting out, hey, when do I get my job back at the, at, the, at the Daily Telegraph? You guys are out there running stories. In the Telegraph, in the BBC, the most, the most lauded, respected platforms of media in the UK, the OGs of UK media. That looks like something that they would have had the scoop on at Bannon's war room. We've got the text messages. They were literally talking about releasing new variants to freak the people out. And Naomi's like, wait a minute. 
I lost all my gigs working for you liberal mainstream media people because I didn't trust government and corporations working together. I thought that's why we were liberals. We didn't trust government and corporations working together. Uh, yeah. Uh, see about that. Um, we, we totally trust government and corporations working together when it's to the outcome we desire. Not so much when we don't. I see this now in my own world. Some of my old, more liberal friends. It's funny now. See, I'm still a conservative because I don't view conservatism as an ideology. It's an observational science. We observe what is true and try to conserve it. We observe what is beautiful. We try to conserve it. We observe what is good and try to conserve it, right? Yes. War against Nazis in the Third Reich, good. So conserve that and win it. Forever war in places that hate us, that get us nowhere, where we leave our soldiers behind, and why in the hell were they still there in the first place? Is that good? That is not. So we don't conserve that. I don't have an ideology. I have a worldview. And any ideology or any, or, or, or any philosophy or any position that violates that creed, I reject it, regardless of where it comes from. So now suddenly that I'm against forever war, now suddenly that I'm like, yeah, let's, uh, let's take the corporatist and put them all on trial. Basically, I got into this business 16 years ago to take on Bill Maher and his like. And now I'm like, if Bill Maher was a fundy, he'd be me. That's essentially what I am. I'm Alex Jones with Bible verses and if Bill Maher was a fundy instead of an atheist. Lo and behold, though, huh, some of my old liberal friends from back in the day when I first started in sports media, it's weird. Now that I've actually observed circumstances and come around to some of their line of thinking because of facts on the ground it's amazing i'm a bigger bigot than i ever was before because they didn't care about those things it was really just about getting access to government to advance my agenda and my power so pedo groomers it is into the abyss we go far down the rabbit hole until it becomes a black hole that's exactly what Russell Brand and Joe Rogan are talking about. Did you guys disagree with a freaking syllable of what they just said there? No. No, not a syllable of it. Could we have said and have we said every single damn thing they said in yes. that clip? Go watch that entire interview. Take out the F-bombs and the tattoos, and it's this show for the last three damn years. We have some ideological differences with them. Uh, yeah, some philosophical I mean, so. differences yes. with them. But are we both objectively looking at the truth and reacting to it? Yeah, we are. What Bernie Sanders tells you in that clip is all these years, he was just one of them too. I love meritocracy when I win. I love capitalism when you're buying my book for $30, a hardcover. When you're buying Rise of the Fourth Reich, cancel those white Christian nationalists after all. Uh, I'm sorry, Bernie, the co-author is a fellow Jew. 
Wow, he's and he's the worst white Christian nationalist of them all. The whole damn thing's a scam. The whole thing is. The whole thing is wrestling. The the fights are real, but the outcomes are scripted. We have sat here and allowed politics at a granular level to become cutthroat to the point we can't get together with one another on holidays. For what? Bernie Sanders to 70 years later echo Rush Limbaugh's every single monologue he ever did? What was the point of all that? There wasn't a point. The point was just power. More of us are waking up. May that house increase. I wish we were having the deep ideological arguments we thought we were having the last couple of decades. Some truth might have come out of that. Some common ground. We weren't. We were just watching elites whose only worldview is, I be like God. I will be like the Most High. I will rule. I will ascend. You haven't been watching an ideology. You've been watching a replay of the Tower of Babel. Something far more fundamental than Das Kapital has been going on. Did God really say? More in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, a couple of weeks back, I got an opportunity to attend the first Iowa caucus event of this cycle that uh, at least I've known about in my local area and and I was very impressed with the turnout um, this early in the process that frigid cold of a night uh, we're still deep in the high school sports season in Iowa uh, we were at that time wrestling girls boys basketball all in the middle of the of postseason action so a lot of different things for people to decide is a better use of their time than going out and seeing uh, and a largely unknown or first time candidate for the first time on a cold night, yet he drew quite a crowd nevertheless and gave them a lot of time. I know I was there for most of it. Vivek Ramaswamy is here with us. And it's a pleasure, Vivek, to have you with us on the show. And thank you again for letting me be a part of that effort a couple of weeks ago. Welcome to the Blaze, man. How are you? Good to be on, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Where are you at right now? 
I'm in New York City. Uh, we are getting out of here later today, but I just arrived yesterday and a uh, couple events and having a good time. So I told the audience before we brought you on, Vivek, we're going to have, and, and, and to your credit, I mean, I watched you sit there for well over an hour and take a lot of questions on very specific policy stuff, but we'll have, it's March 6th. There's going to be all kinds of time to do that. You don't have a record of elected office like a lot of the other people that we're going to see come through our uh, community and around the country uh, over the next 11 months uh, leading into the Iowa caucuses. So I want to give people an opportunity to just kind of get to know you a little bit. So let's start there. Who are you? Why are you doing this? Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, kid of immigrants, uh, came to this country 250 years ago, came to the country 40 years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, I went to Harvard for college, thought I was going to be a scientist, ended up actually getting into the world of biotech investing. And then I built a biotech company. That's where I actually started my career, worked on a number of medicines. Five of them are FDA approved products today. One I'm probably most proud of, actually, is for prostate cancer. But I ended up stepping down from my job as a CEO a couple of years ago. Uh, after the George Floyd protests, there was a demand for me to make statements in favor of Black Lives Matter as a CEO that I didn't want to make. I started to speak openly about my view that companies should stay out of politics and that that was important both for politics and for capitalism. And, you know, that resulted in me making the decision to step down as CEO of a biotech company after three advisors to my company resigned uh, after I made some of those remarks. And it woke me up to the fact that I wanted to be free to speak as a citizen. So I've been doing that for the last several years, published a few books. Woke Inc. was the first. Nation of Victims was the second. I have a third one that's due to come out later this year. And I talked about, I think, the problems and threats to our culture that came from this merger of state power and corporate power Mm -hmm. that together could do what neither could on its own. But, you know, I figured, Steve, that just writing books about this and pointing out the problem was just the first step. I think now it's actually time to deliver solutions. And that's what I've been trying to do, both through the market. Last year, I founded a new business to compete with BlackRock, but most importantly, to restore a missing national identity in America. And that's really what led me to launch this presidential campaign. And I think that, you know, I'm optimistic about what we can achieve if we're actually successful over the next eight years in reviving a sense of what it means to be American today, which is something that I think we all long for but miss. You mentioned your family's uh, immigrant history. You come from a religious tradition outside of a Judeo-Christian one, although you went to a Catholic school, so you're quite familiar with it. But you are not necessarily the person that uh, the media will immediately prop up um, when we start talking about a national identity as an American. Usually it'll be somebody like me, frankly, uh, a pasty-faced, uh, fundy evangelical uh, to make as the uh, the face of evil for daring to even assert such thing in modern America. When, when you use a phrase like that, Vivek, define it. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to be an American? What does a national identity mean? I think it means embracing the ideals that set this country into motion. And I think that those are basic ideas, rules of the road, like freedom, free speech, open debate. That's our mechanism to settle our differences as citizens, not the use of force. Meritocracy, the idea that you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character and contributions. Mm -hmm. The basic idea of rule of law, that the people who enter this country ought to be ones whose first act of entering the country does not break the law, like my parents did, not the way that so many come to this country today. Basic ideas like self-governance over aristocracy, you know, a radical dream. I think I said this in the night we were together, Steve, outside Des Moines at the machine shed. 
you know, what do we say? The people who we elect to run the government ought to be the people who actually run the government rather than this cancerous managerial bureaucracy in the administrative state that runs the show today. These are basic rules of the road, right? And, you know, will Americans disagree on whether corporate tax rates should be high or low or whether ivermectin treats COVID or whatever? You know, fine. Yes, people disagree about that. Those are details. But the question for me is, what does it mean to be American is, do you believe in these basic rules of the road or not? And I think we have two camps in this country. We have a pro-American camp that unapologetically embraces those ideas. And then we have an anti-American camp, which wishes to apologize for the existence of those ideals and the existence of this nation, which enshrines those ideals. And I am unapologetically running, not as a Republican, though it will be formally as a Republican, but as a leader of the pro-American movement that wants to revive those ideals as the heart of what it means to be American. And that's, those aren't black ideas or white ideas. Those are fundamentally – and they're not even Republican or Democratic ideas, really. They're fundamentally American ideas. I'm not afraid of the word nationalist. I think that if nationalism means embracing those ideas without apology, if exceptionalism means that we have a conviction that these are the best ideals known to a nation in humankind, the history of humankind, and that we're the greatest nation on earth because of it, I don't apologize for those things. And you know what? I think that you're right. I'm not – I wasn't raised in a Christian household, though I was educated in Christian schools. I'm, a, I'm deeply religious. I, I believe in God. I don't apologize for that. I'm a Hindu. But you know what? Nobody's going to accuse me of being some Christian nationalist or white nationalist as part of this movement uh, because they can't. And I think that part of what I'm doing is you know, I don't believe in identity politics. I could care less what the color of somebody's skin or gender is. If what I care about is are they the best person for the job. But as a pragmatic matter – Nobody's going to be able to credibly dismiss me as I actually take these ideas, not all the way only to the White House, but all the way across this country to drive this national revival that I think even other Republicans are a little bit reluctant to pursue. I mean, I've called for the end of affirmative action. Name for me one Republican ever who has explicitly run for president with an aim of ending affirmative action in America or abandoning climate religion. Even our most recent Republican president, Donald Trump, who I respect greatly from anything he did, there's certain issues, certain sacred cows you're not supposed to touch even as a Republican. I don't have those inhibitions, and, and I intend not to apologize for my citizenship of this nation and what this nation means, and I think we need more of that, not less. I think you're going to be our first millennial presidential candidate. You're on the tail end of that generation age-wise. There is a lot of consternation amongst those of us in the older generations. I'm a Gen Xer, Gen Xers and boomers, that what you're talking about is an ideal that is largely gone in America and perhaps unrecoverable. So to hear you as a member of one of the younger generations say, I want to run on that stuff and champion it in a presidential campaign, how would you respond to that? I, I would respond to that by saying, I understand where you're coming from. I get it. I, and you know what? I've had my doubts, too. At the time when I wrote my second book, Nation of Victims, that entire book was mostly about drawing analogies between the United States and the fall of Rome. And I was in a particularly pessimistic mood when I wrote that book because actually what I said was, you know what? We should be so lucky as to be Rome. We might be more like Carthage because Rome lasted a lot longer than hmm. America even has to date. So you know what? I have gone through doubt. But I think that my conviction comes from being on the other side of doubt. I think you have to go through doubt to get to conviction. I feel like I've been through that journey myself, and now I'm in a place of conviction. 
that I don't think that we are actually some nation in some inevitable national decline. I don't even think that we're either Rome or Carthage. I think we might just be a little young, Steve, still going through our version of adolescence, figuring out who we really are. But I think once we do, I think we can even be stronger for it and not in some you know, cheesy politician-y kind of way. I'm not even a politician. This is all new to me. But just in a, in a real way, I think our best days are like actually truly ahead of us, or at least they can be. And I think we're at this precipice, this moment where we can make it so. And I told the CPAC crowd this on Friday night. Okay, I think we have a choice. Do we want a national divorce or do we want a national revival? I think that is the question in front of the Republican primary electorate, whichever it's going to be. It's going to be because we chose it. It's not going to be because it happened automatically. One or the other of those things is going to happen because we chose it. And I am running to lead that national revival. And I believe deep in my bones that our best days can be ahead of us if we choose that option. Tell us about your family and what they think of what you're doing. Yeah, well, (laughs) uh, there's my wife who's incredibly shockingly supportive uh, at first I, I mentioned this to her in early December and she's like seriously <laughs> but then you know by December I, you know we spent a lot of time over the Christmas holiday and the period after Christmas to New Year's first time we had to catch a breath the whole year and really just reflect on the why a little bit not the why of a presidential campaign but the why of existence what we care about for our children and what's important and she, she was incredibly supportive and I think that the number one thing she told me was Look, and, and, you know, she's, she's obviously loves me and is biased in this direction, but I think she meant it independently as an incredibly successful person in her own right. She said, look, I think that there's a decent chance you win this. Be, are you ready for that, actually? Are you actually ready to do the job? And the advice she gave me was, look, we could do this 20 years from now. Our kids will be grown up. And you would be potentially better at the job, right? Imagine me at the age of 17, 20 years ago. Well, I can do things today that I couldn't do then. Why wouldn't the same be true 20 years from now? And that was the best case she made to me for why we probably should wait. But I think we both came around to doing it where actually it isn't even a life goal of mine to enter politics or to be the president. What I do care about is there's a national identity crisis staring us in the face today, and the people who are going to suffer it and its consequences are the next generation and so if I'm really the person, yes, am I, am I an expert in every domain of running the presidency? No, I'm not. You know, I, I've gained expertise in my areas, as, as some of which you know, Steve, and, and I'm a fast study and can gain expertise in the others. But this isn't a job, a moment where we just view the presidency as an area of expertise. It's an area of whether or not we can, who's going to be best positioned to create that vision of what it means to be an American and actually pass it on to the next generation. And the truth is, I actually think that now is the moment that I'm better able to do that than 20 years from now, because maybe I'll be too tired, too jaded, too cynical or too ill-suited if we're even to presume that we have a nation with those ideals that are still left to be saved. And so, you know, I think when we both came around to that, she was incredibly supportive. We have a three-year-old son. We have a seven-month-old son. That night you saw me, Steve, is, is actually my, was the night my son turned three, hmm. and I wasn't there with him. And it hurt me that I wasn't there with him. Actually, my wife had arranged for them to come and be there with me in Iowa that night. I, did, I think you didn't know that. I didn't mention that to you. But they couldn't because the weather was bad. But we're trying to make – they're here with me in New York now. So did we know exactly how we're going to make this work for our two boys and our family? No, we don't. Uh, but family is also a non-negotiable, and we're going to make it work. And I think that 
you know, that idea of the things that are important being non-negotiable. I think whether that's true of our family and the way I kind of look at this as a presidential candidate is I think that's true for our country. Okay, I don't think national divorce is, a, is, is an option to me because then we lose this thing called the Constitution. It's history. And so do I know how we're going to make family work during this presidential campaign? No, but we will because it's a non-negotiable. And as a citizen of this country, I say the same thing. Do I know exactly how we're going to deliver national unity? I have a sense for it, and I can tell you all about it. But do I know the exact details? No, I don't. But anything else is a non-negotiable, too. So, you know, I think that's what it means to sort of act with conviction. And I think we're people of faith. And I think that there's something about believing in God and the idea that we're not always doing these things. It's being done through us. And, you know, I think we embrace that. And I think we don't apologize for it. And I think that's part of what gives us the self-confidence and sense of faith and sense of conviction that we have as a family. And so we'll make it work. I've got about a minute here. You've been on the campaign trail now for about a couple of months. What's the biggest thing you've learned? Well, I think, I think the political system is pretty corrupt. That's one of the things I've learned, actually, is <laughs> you know, the number of people who are going to make money off of this. I mean, I think there's going to be more money made off of this presidential cycle than any election in human history. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to where I am by being exploited, but I will be exposing the corruption. I mean, the CPAC straw poll, one of the things that shocked me about the CPAC straw poll was – Right after I declared my candidacy, we got a call from some consultant and said, hey, I can get you in second, and it's going to be a few hundred grand. I said, absolutely not. Your campaign staff got that call. That's not the way this stuff is supposed to work. But one of the things that will be true about this campaign is I will be going full bore on exposing every corruption in this process so that people can actually see how that sausage gets made. That's actually the part that surprised me. The part that didn't surprise me is that people in this country are hungry for reality, okay? And they're committed to, you know, even in the, our America First movement, I consider myself part of it. I think we believe in putting America first. That's not Vivek first. That's not Trump first. It is America first. And my message to people is, look, this year can be about the what and the why. Forget the question of the who. Next year, pick the who who's best able to advance the agenda that we define this year. And I think we're going to try to lead the way. I think we already are in defining the agenda. What is it we stand for as conservatives, as Republicans, as Americans? Why do we stand for it? And the next year we get to pick who's best positioned to carry that forward. And I'm I'm running because I believe the person who leads the way in that question can also lead the way all the way to the presidency. But, you know, if people want to learn more, Vivek2024.com, you get a little bit of a taste of who I am. It's my first name, V-I-V-E-K2024.com. And you know, this is going to be a long journey, and I look forward to getting to know people in Iowa and across the country as part of it. And the one thing I'll commit to is we'll be very honest and very candid at every step of the way. I saw that firsthand when you were here a couple of weeks ago, Vivek. So pleasure to get to know you, and uh, we look forward to seeing where this is going in the future, brother. Thank you. Thank you, my man. You bet. Talk to you. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Any quick thoughts on that conversation? Well, he's, of course, right about the corruption at every level of governments. But since he's running uh, for president of the United States, when he talks about uh, people need to be able to deal with the people they elected and not that bureaucracy, that's the key to undoing a lot of that uh, corruption. And so, therefore, if he's going forward on this, people have talked about this for a long time, but they don't have a plan. It's not well fleshed out. They ask questions like Rick Perry about which which um, groups would you get, uh, departments would you get rid of, and he can't even name three when he's been talking about it for months. Have a very specific plan about you how you would gut the federal bureaucracy. Otherwise, it's just words. That you can implement. Yes.
because it's not going to voluntarily say you yeah. got us. Yeah, but the, yeah, yeah, and yeah. show us you got teeth on this too, because the, yeah. The, yeah, they're they're going to fight back hard. I mean, I always go back here into Trump's tranny order, and the yeah. Pentagon was yeah. like, yeah, we're not doing it. I would say though, I, you know, I have my concerns here. I, it's one, it's fascinating more than any other candidate so far, except for maybe Trump. When he announced he was running, there was more polarization in my Twitter timeline or feed than even when Nikki Haley. I thought that was interesting. I will say his messaging, though, just looking at it in a vacuum, forgetting everything else, his messaging of his campaign so far is impeccable. I think mm-hmm. it's unique. I think it's actually positive, and I think it's actually kind of a masterstroke, saying we're just kind of going through an identity crisis. We're uh, kind of going through puberty as a country. That's different, and that's unique. I think that's interesting. Hour two is next. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Tutters and Aaron McIntyre, all of you. And all of you can join us. That is, if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, there is no Ask Me Anything this week because we're doing it exclusively for Blaze TV subscribers this week instead. In fact, it is today at 2 o'clock Central Time. We are going to be hosting the uh, latest off the record chat you can ask me anything and since there is no big tech looking over our shoulders you can ask me anything you want except for probably nefarious spoilers uh just go to blaze tv.com slash off the record all one word if you're not yet a blaze tv subscriber become one today at blaze tv.com slash off the record and you can join us today at 2 p.m central if you're a blaze tv subscriber also at blazetv.com slash off the record. Now you might be tuning into the podcast here hours, maybe even days later. And you're like, oh man, I missed it. Good news. We archive these also for blaze TV subscribers. So still go over, take advantage of it today. Blazetv.com slash off the record and join us for our off the record chat today. We do these, uh, all of the blaze TV hosts. We love doing these get to connect with the people. At blazetv.com slash off the record at 2 p.m. Central today. Please do not miss it. Also, please let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, Steve at stevedace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You'll also find me over on Truth Social, but you got to really look to find me there at Real Steve Dace. I just kind of stay there out of spite. You know, I mean, I know what they're doing. That's your ML. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just going to stay out of spite at this point, you know, even though like that, that account draws flies most days, but I'm just staying there out of spite now. Just, I can do this all day. I can get shadow banned all day. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> if there's one thing I know how to do, I, I don't know how to do a lot in this business, yes. man, but if there is one thing I know how to do in this business, it's get shunned. I know how to get shunned. I know how to get shadow banned. It's your finger roll. It is, man. That's my spiritual gift. Getting shunned and shadow banned. That's why I keep retreating retreating our new buddy, Pedro Gonzalez. He might be the first person in this business who cares less about kissing your ass than me. I mean, I just marvel at the stuff he puts out there. I'm like, I would not even have the balls to even look at something like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So good luck finding me on Truth Social. Make it your make it one of your life goals. Can I find Steve Dace on Truth Social 
at Real Steve Dace. And also, if you are a podcast listener, don't forget, uh, leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow if you like us, of course. Don't if you don't. If you don't, I, I don't know why you give us time, but we appreciate that too. If you do, uh, we appreciate all of you that have given us those five-star reviews. Thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, this part of the show brought to you by our friends over at Raycon, one of the one of the partners I've had to fight my kids with over the years because these are some of the best earbuds headphones existing on the market. I'll just tell you straight up, man. I've tried a lot of the different brands out there. Nobody has better noise cancellation. And I've got these odd fitting ears. I can never, you know, they, they always give you the assortment of, you know, the the buds to put in there. And I'm always like in between sizes. These do the best job of noise cancellation of any brand I have ever tried. That's why. With their custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit. That's why they're one of the standards on the market. One of the most powerful and popular brands on the market as well. If you want to take advantage of it. Eight or 11 hours of playtime per charge. You can't beat it. Plus crystal clear call quality. If you need to be on the phone on a long walk or a jog, what have you, go to buyraycon.com slash Steve and you'll have Raycons. That's what you'll have. Buy Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, C-O-N, R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash Steve. Get 15% off your Raycon order today. Buyraycon.com slash Steve. To score 15% off. <clears throat> Pardon me. Okay, I, I mentioned this at the top of the show. Um, it is officially on now. And last week, we were kind of waiting, thought maybe things would, you know, not really kick in until later this year. Nope. Events have accelerated. So it is very clear last week that the race for the for the White House in 2024 is off or it's it's taken off I should say um, we had Ron DeSantis releasing what is still the number one best-selling book in the country and then doing a national tour um, in advance and in uh, in support of that we had Donald Trump as a conquering hero in an event that he basically owns because he is still the the leading figurehead in the Republican Party that is CPAC and then uh, just to show King Saul said I'm not ready to go into the night quite yet I mean, he absolutely emptied the friggin' tank uh, at CPAC on Saturday. I mean, one of the most memorable speeches in the history of that event, man. I mean, that thing was an humdinger and fired a lot of people up. I mean, I had numerous emails from people over the weekend that were like, you know, I was kind of about ready to move on. And I was like, now that's my boy right there. All right. That's my boy blue right there. So he clearly got some people's attention. I had somebody who's not a Trump fan in our audience Matt, I know you're listening right now. Trump speeches don't matter. They may not matter to you. We may find out later they don't matter in substance. But to people that like him or consider voting for him, they matter quite a bit. Because they're, they're how he connects with them on whether or not I'm with you or not. In many cases, at least in terms of a, of a broad vision. So we can all debate how much they may matter substantively. But there is no question they matter relationally a lot. Throw in uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who we just talked about uh, and talked to last hour. He's been on the campaign trail for a couple of months now. We've got Robert F. Kennedy Jr. saying he's going to challenge Joe Biden. We're off. And so, therefore, I want to take this hour of the show today, since our show is going to be at the epicenter of this, because we live in Iowa, which is the epicenter of this. You're going to see a lot of polls. I saw some polling today of the Virginia primary. None of that matters. 
the only opinions in America that matter for the next 11 months live in Iowa and New Hampshire. And then how those people make their determinations 11 months from now in, in February of 2024 will then have a huge say in what opinions will be shaped everywhere else because they're going to winnow the field down. So we're at the epicenter of this, both as a show um, and then also because of where we live. And therefore, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And when I say that, it doesn't mean about opinion. I'm not threatened by your difference of opinion. I think I've demonstrated that. And I hope that I've proven, though, that if we have a difference of opinion, you don't have to feel like you're on the out here. We can, we can actually have adult conversations here. And I want to, I want to make sure we do that. So I want to, I want to lay out before we start getting into, I loved what Vivek said last hour. We can discuss the who next year, this year, let's discuss the what and the why, right? We will have plenty of time from this day forward to discuss the, everything about all the who's. The real thing I want to discuss today is the what and the why. Because it ain't about the name on the front of the jersey, whether that name is Trump or DeSantis or Cruz or McCain or Romney, etc. It's about the name on the back. America. That's what we're trying to conserve here. When we are dumb, we let them make it about themselves and then we respond to them. But when we are smart, we make them make it about us and then they respond to us. I think on this we will all agree given the precarious point we are at in our nation's history. Whether you agree with Vivek, we're just having a national adolescent crisis or a midlife crisis, or you have more existential thoughts, as the three of us do, of where we are at historically. We can all agree, whichever, which, whichever of these phases you think we are at, we can't afford any more dumb. Amen? Amen. That, that, can't, that can't happen. I mean, we just the dumb has to stop. So how do we do this smartly? That's what I want to talk about. We have, we have two pit bulls. In this primary, at least. And there were past years, folks, when we weren't sure that we had any of them. And right, man, it has not felt like Providence has smiled upon me very often as of late. But man, right when we needed a killer, a proverbial killer, I should say, um, we have maybe two of them. So therefore, the absolute dumbest thing, dumbest thing we could do then is create an environment where we don't make them truly show us who the alpha dog is. We need to be like the Joker. We break the cue stick in half. We're going to have tryouts. Aggressive expansion. We have one spot. Go get it. They won't do that to us. They, they can't force a passive environment on us, a dumb environment on us. We can only do this to ourselves with silly high school BS a lot of which I saw on my Twitter feed over the weekend, which just reduced both my T-level and IQ to read. We want them to fight, provided we are supplying them the right piece of meat because we want whoever comes out of that cage of pit bulls literally ready for war, literally. You know why I think we got that ass kicker laying down of ordinance by Trump at CPAC yesterday? Because he's watching a real competitor, and he knows it. Because before it became very clear that DeSantis was going to get into this race, and him and his team knew at least a little bit of what they were doing, we got a lot of a Pfizer sales rep t- 
traveling the country with Bill, is it still 1998 O'Reilly? Isn't that mostly what we got the last couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. That's not dead, though. But, yeah, but, you're right. The competition is good. Why do you think DeSantis is rolling out this, like, seamless book tour that is basically a soft presidential open? Because they, they realized, man, we can't have Trump just take six months of the spotlight all by himself. We got to, you know, manufacture our own way into this. Let them compete. Competition is good. Competition is good. There is never a point in time it doesn't work in our favor. And by the way, make sure you know DeSantis knows. You love that version of Trump that you saw at CPAC as well. Put him on blast too. I mean, if Ron is whom I think he is, then he already is anyway. If he's not, let's find that out now, right? If he thinks, hey, I don't have another level to go to other than what I already did in Florida, let's find that out now, right? Just to be clear, you're not saying that competition brings out the... It's good because it shows everybody's true colors, not because it necessarily brings out the best in everybody. I mean, look what happened to Scott Walker. That guy just absolutely folded in the competition. But we saw because he was a front runner. Correct. Earlier. Correct. So that's what you. I, I think. think it, I think it does both. You. We find out if you're up to the task, like we didn't. We we found out Scott Walker was not. Didn't even make it to Iowa. Then you find out who was. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah. mean, Donald Trump got 44 percent of the entire primary vote out of 23 candidates in 2016. On the Cruz campaign, we got about 26 percent. Those two candidates who started at 0.0.0 when the process began ended up getting about 70 percent of the entire Republican electorate primary vote in a 23 person race. That was competition. You found out both who couldn't hack it and who could. Right. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Which brings us to the final thought here. Was basically, yeah. Oh, that was the final thought. Okay. So with that in mind, I'm going to set some ground rules for the show. When I say these are Dace's ground rules for the 2024 primary, though, these are not your ground rules. We're not imposing these on yours. We're imposing... These on ourselves. This is how we will operate as a show. This is, this is our covenant with you for the next 11 months. These ground rules, first and foremost, are for me. They are my commitment to you. This is what I am vowing to do my best to do and be the next year or so during this vital presidential primary. And I'm inviting all of you within the sound of my voice right now to hold me accountable to this plumb line until a winner emerges. I am determined for this to be a show where we can be adults about this, having an adult conversation, given the cosmically serious stakes that I believe we are playing for. We're going to be brutally honest with each other. But even more importantly, we're going to be intellectually honest with each other. A family doesn't always have to agree, but it does not intend to deceive. Those are two different things. I know we've heard this a million times, but this time I think it might actually be the most important election I've ever covered. And I hate saying that, but our beloved country is dangling here from a cliff. Heck, it might already be too late, frankly. Thankfully, as I just said a few minutes ago, we have at least two potential and proverbial killers running right when we need them. In many past primaries, we weren't even sure we had one. We must, we must, we must. That's why I put that in all caps. We must make the most of this opportunity. We cannot punk out or dumb out. 
Now, what does that mean? It means we must create an environment where we come out of this with the absolute most prepared champion to literally take on the forces of darkness. That's literally what we're talking about here. We, the people, will determine the environment. And that environment will then determine the winner. I promise you complete transparency as long as it doesn't violate any third-party confidences. For example, I met Vivek Ramaswamy two weeks ago. I was impressed with him as an individual. I was asked to emcee a town hall for him. I was paid a, a very modest honorarium for my time. But you should know that. If someone cut me a check, you should know. So I just told you. I am meeting Governor DeSantis later this week while he is in Des Moines. I've already told you on this show that at this point he'd probably have to lose my support. But Todd and Aaron, has that happened before? Uh, yeah. The trail of tears. Yeah, the trail of tears. That's right. <laughs> Scott Walker. People forget, man, when I put out the first... Oh, man. Do you remember this? In the book? Yeah. yeah. When, I, like, when I submitted the first manuscript to Post Hill Press for Rules a, for Patriots. A.K.A. the Scott Walker Manifesto? Yes. And that, I had to rewrite some of it because the publisher came back to me. Do you just want to endorse Scott Walker for president now? Because he was like every example in the book. And then we got... Punting. Yes. What was that? When he, then, then we got, we got uh, waste, fraud, and abuse when yeah. he ran for president, right? Yeah. So it can happen. Believe me, it already has. Okay. Long way to go until the Iowa caucuses. You didn't see Vivek knows. He follows me on Twitter. He knows what I think. Do I shy away from my opinions? No. Does he seem all that intimidated that I might end up, end up supporting Ron DeSantis in the end? Well, I don't want to talk to that guy and you know, the hundreds of thousands of people that listen to him every single day. That'd be dumb. Right? Right. Right. I also think, by the way, that if Trump can maintain the vision he just cast at CPAC, he will be very tough to beat. And I got to tell you right now, I'll tell you this today, on March 6th, without question, I am totally fine if that is the Trump Ron DeSantis loses to. If Ron DeSantis loses to that Trump, I'm A-OK. Because that Trump's a stone-cold killer. Here's the bottom line. You are entitled to know about any potential blind spots or biases I may have, so I will do my best to disclose them, and then you can filter any analysis I do through that filter. To that end, you should also be reminded the last few year of the the last few years and what happened with COVID is essentially my watershed moment politically. It's the closest I believe we have ever come in my lifetime to losing absolutely everything we took for granted in previous generations. So I'm going to judge everyone's records first through that prism. Now, what's the key pronoun here? I. I'm going to do that. Does that mean you have to do that? I mean, I think you should, given what we all went through. But that's my opinion. You may have a different filter. But that's mine. And you should know what mine is. That's my primary filter. And I'm also determined to do my part here to make the First in the Nation caucus state a platform for a reckoning on that era, which still isn't over as the carnage of lockdowns and the poisonings are ongoing. The story out of England today in the English media, they're openly texting each other, UK leaders, how can we release the new variant to keep people scared and afraid? Don't ever come to me again and say, stay there, thank calling for public hangings after a fair trial goes too far. No, 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 no. If anything, it's not going far enough because it hasn't happened yet. In return, here's how I will hold you accountable 
No fallacies or high school BS like I saw on my Twitter feed, man. Don't come at me with, this guy sit next to me at the lunch cap. No, 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 no. We're not doing any of that. No. If you come at me with that silliness, I promise you, I will absolutely and ruthlessly destroy it. Because I love you, of course. And I don't want you to be dumb. We don't need any more dumb. Didn't we already agree? We can't do any more dumb. We, we set that tone first, right? We can't afford any more dumb. Don't be dumb. Don't, if you're dumb, man, I'm... They will be dumb. If you're dumb, I'm going to be brutal. And it'll be for your own good. It'll, it's probably still going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Because we all need a dad. And I'm not your mom. I'm your dad. Okay? So, mom will tell you, it's okay, honey, to be dumb. Dad will be like, I got to beat the dumb out of you. Because it's not. Uh, disagree all you want. Skeptically question all you want. Come now, let us reason together, I say. But again, let us not attempt to deceive nor condescend one another. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you want to be taken seriously? Then take others seriously too. We desperately need adulting. I really don't care which of these alpha dogs you end up supporting. Just that we are working together to determine the environment for the alpha dog we need for such a time as this to emerge. Because I'm confident if we do that, the choice will become obvious in the end to all who are capable of adulting. Maybe you can tell I'm kind of fired up about this. I love what I saw last week. That's the primary I want is what we saw out of these two guys last week. Now, there are going to be times it's going to get dumb and I will not be as energetic or fired up as I am right now. Okay? But, man, if that sets the pace, if that's the opening salvo out of the gate, by all means, let's put Foreman and Ali in the center of the ring. And let's have a thriller in Manila. Let's do it. As far as this show is concerned, the best way to adult is to make the plumb line the actual records of the candidates we are scrutinizing. That cuts through the BS. That cuts through the talking points. In this case, one alpha dog has been president of the most powerful nation on earth. The other is a governor of the most powerful and pivotal swing state in America. Therefore, folks, each of these guys have actual and detailed records. With Vivek, we don't know. We have to project. We have to ask him general questions. These guys have records. They've been tested. We do know. Records cut through the subjective emotion that causes the most division. And to the objective truth that unites people who are earnestly pursuing it. Chances are, if you're not an earnest truth pursuer, you're not hanging out that much here anyway. So I'm confident we can all handle it. So there will be some tension at times, obviously. That doesn't mean, by the way, speeches, strategies, associations, etc. are irrelevant. I've already been very complimentary of what Trump said at CPAC over the weekend a few times on the show today. Those will be discussed too, but and they should also be considered to some degree. But they can never take over primacy over the actual records. In the end, Jesus said, King of the universe, Jesus Christ, King of the universe, said, you know, a tree by its fruit and in politics, the record is the ultimate fruit of a political candidate. The actual record. That will be our prime directive on the show. What is the record? We must take full advantage of this moment. Living in Iowa gives me a unique opportunity to do so. Not a lot of other talk show hosts you're going to have a chance to listen to have. Which is why we may be more focused on this moment or even focus on it differently than others you'll be listening to. But finally, let's remember this. And this is really the most important thing. 
We all love this country. And we don't want to see it lost to the ash sheep of history. That is our prime directive. And let us strive to never forget that as best as we can over the next 11 months. We'll talk more specifically about the candidates and where they stand in the next segment for now that I've laid that out. This is what I vow to all of you that you all get to hold accountable or hold me accountable to. Todd and Aaron, what are your thoughts? Um, the most interesting thing in there for me concerns Trump. Set aside DeSantis for a second. Pretend he's not even in it. Your plumb line, and rightly so, of what happened the last three years, as close as we've ever come to losing everything, measured against, you said, if Donald Trump is that guy all the time, he can absolutely be the guy who beats DeSantis, but forget about DeSantis. Doesn't just that standard mean that there's a very large gap between the ability uh, for people uh, to vote for him unless he addresses the vaccine thing? And other, uh, I mean, we obviously had Vivek on the show today, but even without DeSantis, the gap that he has to close right now is large and looking like he has no interest in closing it. That's your opinion. It's largely an opinion I share. That's an opinion others may have. I don't know that that's a uniform opinion in our, even in our audience. I certainly don't think it's a uniform opinion um, within the Republican electorate. I think it is a lot more of an opinion than what um, a lot of the Trump campaign wants to admit exists, if that makes sense. And I think it certainly, in fact, I know for a fact, because I live here and I know the grassroots here, I know for a fact it's an opinion of a lot more of the grassroots in Iowa than the Trump campaign wants to admit right now. So I think that that the answer to that question has many, 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 many layers is how I would answer that right now. Well, I think those layers are named other candidates, aren't they? I in mean, the really end, it comes down in the end, in the end, I, I've, I've always told you guys this on the show. I'll, and this is probably you'll probably hear me make this analogy. Take a drink. Okay, what will I mention more the next 11 months? A kid born to a 15-year-old mom or this, okay? Um, yeah, I read your tweets. I see them. <laughs> I do bring it up a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, um, people judge candidates the way they judge a restaurant menu. There are very few people that will go into a restaurant after the hassle of parking and finding out where they wanted to go and look at the time. Do we want the time to go somewhere else? No, we don't. So, okay, I'm a little disappointed, but I might as well, I'm here. I might as well choose something that looks better than everything else. Few people will have, have, the, have the level of urine and vinegar in them on point, on principle to say, I'm getting the H out of here and going somewhere else. You and I do. But I don't, not even I'm like that all the time. Are you like that all the time? Are you, are you a never, you've never settled in your life at all for anything, right? No. And you're as stubborn about as anybody as I know, okay? You think vinegar is a food group, okay? So we all settle to some degree. Most people, though, the vast majority of them size candidates up in relationship to one another. And so the real, you can't remove Ron DeSantis from your question at all, because if he weren't in the race, I don't think there'd be anything holding Trump accountable at all on this because you could be very very well, angry including us you're yeah. saying that's yeah. my point yes yes so because what do you think most people's standard is this is the challenge of everything you just most people's standard is just winning well ron DeSantis hopes that you're correct about that 
because right. because he's the guy that just had the Reagan 84 re-election campaign while we while we watched a lot of the people but, that Trump endorsed struggle to win or get annihilated but, in the last election cycle right. winning regardless of really belief they just they just want to win I, I'm and and with no guarantee of how that power will be wielded. I mean, I think that I'm glad you're doing this. I just think that's the struggle we're up against. We got, sure, but that show that this show has been up against that struggle since the first day we appeared on WHO radio. I mean, we we have always been. What are we doing this for? What yeah. are we winning for? Yeah. What, we're not winning for winning's sake. I mean, I've been you know I've been pushing back on that narrative. So I'm not worried about that. I started doing that on yeah. June 16th, 2006, when I first debuted on WHO Radio. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not that part I'm not worried about at all. But you're right. You're exactly right, Aaron. Yeah, I, I think if anything has shown us a lot of people, I don't know if it's most people, Republican voters, a lot of people just want want uh, winning incidental to the soap opera because they really are invested in this one character and they really don't want to see that character jump the shark. So the only thing that moves the plot forward is winning elections or primaries or things like that. I, I would say, and I don't really, we'll carry this conversation. I might have to finish up my thoughts in the next segment if we're talking about this uh, in the next segment a little bit. I think if you are a Trump supporter and I laid out in no uncertain terms, about a week and a half ago on the montage, and we talked about it in the aftermath, that Donald Trump, love him or hate him, especially if you hate him, you need to understand that a lot of people love him, and a lot of people love him for legitimate reason. Even if the reasons they give you are maybe uh, thin at best or illegitimate, the, the, the core reason why they love him is because he loves them back. These are people... Uh, we talk about East Palestine. These are people who have been overlooked, left behind, forgotten. Is it wrong to love somebody who actually gives you the time of day when you're in that? No. Mm-hmm. So that you need to understand. That's why a lot of people, that's why I believe a lot of people love Donald Trump. Even if the reasons they give you for why they don't like DeSantis are stupid or conspiratorial or just not rooted in anything, they love. they still love Trump for some legitimate reason. And I'm going to make the case for you, if I can, Steve, when we come back. Sure. Why, if you're a Trump supporter, you got to thank your lucky stars that somebody like DeSantis is in the race right now. I'll let you do that when we come back. All right, Aaron, I'm going to go right back to you because I want to let you finish your point because it'll probably segue right into where the conversation is going to go next anyway, brother. So go ahead. So keeping in mind the the rubric and kind of the ground rules that you laid out, I, I would like to make the case why I think if you are a genuine Trump supporter because of because you just think he is the best choice, um, I think you should thank your lucky stars that somebody like Ron DeSantis is running. And this is addressed to people who, for some combination of, you know, he's got a record, good foreign policy, great foreign policy. He's accomplished maybe more and has had more of a positive impact on discourse and the Republican Party uh, in various levels than maybe any other Republican president. I'm not addressing the people who, what was the person that came out after you on, on Twitter over the weekends saying that um, DeSantis has WEF, World Economic Forum connections, and that he was allowed to have Florida. I'm yes. not addressing people like that. Yeah. 2016 called, once it's cucks back, yep. you can just go, <laughs> this is not addressed for 
for and you. And I, I just don't there think are, people in Iowa, New Hampshire care about any no, of that kind of stuff. No. I think that's all Twitter BS. No, but there no. are. So this is for the, the Trump supporters who are holding on to the legitimate reasons to support Donald Trump. If you're supporting him again, in spite of the way he handled COVID, I think you're supporting him because you think that he's going to do the things that he says he is going to do, or at least have aspirations of doing the things that he's going to do. Or you want to see what he will do after having an election stole, uh, fortified from him back in 2020, right? So there's some combination of those things. You're never, ever, 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 ever getting the version of Donald Trump that you want or aspire to if Ron DeSantis is not in the race. I completely agree. Imagine if all Donald Trump's competition was Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, uh, Vivek, you know, although he's you know, <laughs> lower down the list. Imagine what that would be like. That's my point, though. The, <clears throat> the worst version of Donald Trump has a better chance of winning because of everything you just said. If he wasn't in the race, he'd be like... It'd be Trump and everybody else. You know? I want to talk about that's why DeSantis is so important. I, I agree. We'll, we'll come back to DeSantis for a second. Since we had him on today, I want to talk about Vivek. Because <clears throat> to me, what, what I saw, and you you heard it a little bit here, we had we had more of a general conversation about him and his worldview and his driving influences. But I mean, I, I saw him get very specific on policies. You know, Iowans are sophisticated. They know how to ask candidates questions. And and then I was there to MC to make sure some of the people's questions got framed the way that they wanted to. <clears throat> the reason that a lot of business guys don't become great candidates, they can, be, they can become technocratic, very boring. Think you know, Mitt Romney is a classic example. We've seen this a ton on the, on the Republican side over the years. <clears throat> with, with, pardon me, all of us are, I'm getting over a sinus infection. These guys are all sick. So you're, it's a cacophony. It's a, it's a harmony of coughs yeah. and throat clears. We apologize. People are asking, who are you people? Yes. What show is this? We're dying. We're dying <laughs> like this country right here live on the show. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> um, what, what, you know, Trump started out, people forget this. I mean, I remember the first major Iowa caucus event of the 2016 cycle was an event Steve King had that all the candidates came to. And it was much, it was about this, I know, it was actually, you know, late January, so not much earlier than when Vivek held his event. And um, it was just all technocratic managerial stuff, you know, about intellectual property, stuff that's very important, but people don't necessarily look to a president for, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, and, um, um, and, and really the only time that Trump got a great reaction from the crowd is when he busted on Jeb, <laughs> okay? <laughs> it, it, it really was that that summer when the when he when he when he got when he glommed on to the immigration issue and became the the champion for that issue that even even the young up and coming conservatives like Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio with their backgrounds immigrant families maybe felt like they were a little concerned it might be hypocritical for them to go to the mattresses to uh, to try and to to go to the nth degree to confront given their family histories Trump didn't care about any of that and and what and and that issue gave him a passion a fire that shared a common passion and fire with the base Vivek already has that like like I mean, you heard his story hey I, I sold my company because I had people resigning from my board because they hated my politics that ain't America man 
know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He he has a very he has a few. He's not like running for some. You're, in fact, listen to you hear what he said last hour. We'll get to the specifics later. We had we had to talk about like some real fundamental fundamentals of American here. That's not typically what we hear out of people that come right out of the business sector. We didn't hear that from Trump initially when he came right out of the business sector. Well, there's a reason why. And it's what you said is your most important plumb line. These last three years haven't been any old mm-hmm. three years. And, and I think that is going to make him more of a wild card. I, I, if he is serious about calling BS on stuff within the system, like he mentioned the CPAC poll, there is absolutely a market for that. You bet. I, I don't think... It's possible for anybody other than Trump or DeSantis to be the nominee. But usually Iowa punches three, maybe four tickets out of here. And could I see him become someone at 37 years old that by the time this is over, it is clear he has been set up to be a major voice moving forward? I could see that for sure. Not saying it won't happen, but he's got, or it will happen, I should say. He's got three things going for him. He's got FU money. I don't care. I don't, I don't know. Dude, dude didn't buy the CPAC straw poll because he can't afford it. I can promise you this. Okay. He just didn't buy it on principle. He's got FU money. That matters. He's still, he's still young and idealistic. He hasn't been involved within the inner workings of the Republican party yet. So he's like offended at, at things like being offered to buy the CPAC. Stra- wait, wait, that's how, it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like 47 year old Vivek might be tempted to just go ahead and buy it. Know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you just realize, hey, that's the way it works. Win in Rome, got to win, right? 37-year-old Vivek, though, is like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This isn't a movement? <laughs> 39-year-old Steve Dace used to say stuff like that, too. 49-year-old Steve Dace understands that it's not now. <laughs> All right? So the fact that he's got FU money, the fact that he is still young enough that he actually still carries some of the idealism from just following this stuff from the outside. He has, he's just now learning where the sausage is, so he's going to get offended by finding out. You heard that when he talked about the CPAC straw poll. He's like, I got to call BS on that. Ten years from now, Vivek might be like, I'll just buy the damn thing and let's move on. So he's got a few money. He has a little idealism still left, and he's got issues he actually cares about that also other people cared about. Like, like Trump really cared about China and he proved to be correct. Right. Mm -hmm. But in January of 2015, nobody did. And it didn't resonate at all. Vivek is already on, on to issues that are impacting people's lives that they do care about. So I, I do think, I think there's a much better chance he's a third ticket out of here than Nikki Haley, for example, that's where you and I disagree. I, I, I think that there, I think that he could be someone that people are just, especially the way caucuses work. Oh man, I, you know, my, my entire family is divided over Trump and DeSantis. So I'll vote for Vivek and just stay out of it. You know, cause I'm okay if either one of those guys wins. That is how this dude, that is how this process can work. Sometimes it is better to be everybody's second choice. Okay. If the top two gets really heated and then you can be the one and that won't win. Because Trump and DeSantis are going to care, cast such large shadows. Could it get you 15 or 20% on caucus night? Yeah. And then, ticket punched. Off to New Hampshire you go. So I, I think he could. he is in a very unique position. The fact that he came to me. The fact that he flew down to Florida while Bob Vanderplatz was down there on his month-long sabbatical to go down there and meet with Bob down there. Okay? 
that's again, see, Trump did those things. I wouldn't have known how to get to Donald Trump. He came to me. He figured out, oh, the caucuses, he had good advice from people like my buddy Sam Nunberg, who told him the Iowa caucuses are not a primary. You don't just go in there and dump 10 million on TV and buy it. You got to you gotta know the people who bring the people to the polls. So here's a few names you got to know. And one day I get a call on my phone out of the blue one day. Hey, Steve, it's Donald Trump. What? It was. Okay. I, I thought he was going to say, you're fired. <laughs> right? Okay. So, so that's Vivek. Has, he's, again, he's done his homework. He knows. So he's talking to people that he knows in Iowa. Where did he do his first Iowa event? Yeah. The machine, machine shed, machine man. Shed. If you've ever been here, votes right there. absolutely. Absolutely. That tells you right away he did his homework. So I, I, I don't think he can win, but man, I would not underestimate him. Because I could see him being a, ch- a choice touching on a lot of these similar issues to what DeSantis and Trump are going to touch on for people that just don't want to get involved in the heat there and um, and would be satisfied if either Ron or Don was the nominee. I'll just vote for Vivek. I, I, I'm out of it. You know, I can go back home and talk to my friends and family when the circus leaves town next February and let them let the division and the, you know, the, 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 the heat go on beyond me. I, I could see him absolutely pull 15 percent or so in an Iowa caucus. Which absolutely means your your ticket is punched. You guys have any thoughts on that? Is the inverse, and I you know I I generally I hope that's the case. Here's my fear with Vivek. Now Andrew Yang I don't think has as high of a net worth as Vivek, so that's where this might be a little bit different in terms of the analogy that I'm making. But my fear is I love everything that Vivek is saying. I made a note about his his messaging and how it's on point. The messaging is knows what time it is. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. And I think his benefit, his his high ceiling benefit to being in the race at all, if he is on that debate stage, is expanding the Overton window in terms of especially yeah. ESG and yep. diversity, equity, yep. inclusion. Yep. That's the high watermark. I just don't know that we have an example. I think the most recent example of somebody like that trying <laughs> to expand the Overton window of their party was Andrew, kind of in the mold of, of Vivek, is Andrew Yang. And the only reason we know of Andrew Yang is because he ran for president. Did he have any success moderating the Democrat Party? No. Are they a moderate on any level, anywhere? No. You can say, though, in the Republican Party, we do have examples of people jumping in the room. Was it Ross Perot and Donald Trump? Let me give you a better example of what you're talking about, because you're, you're on the right path. But let me give you an analogy that I think makes the point that you and I are saying the same thing. What if you had a younger, um, better version of Herman Cain? Oh, oh, yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. See what I'm yeah, saying? Absolutely. Okay, so so th- that, that I could see. And there was a period of time that Herman Cain was a really was a real threat to win here. Now, that was a much weaker field than what Vivek is running into. Okay, but similarly, and and Herman was also older. Okay, Mm -hmm. but a younger guy, non-white, willing to say some things that we all know are true. But you get you get dinged if you say if you're white. Okay, Iowans understood, even if they weren't sure Herman Cain was qualified to be president. At the very least, it was a benefit to have someone like him on the stage See, saying the things we need to say to expand that Overton window. That, and Vivek is openly telling you, I want that role. I want that heat. Yeah. Give me that smoke. In fact, I'm running for it. I want to be that guy. That's what my hope would be for Vivek, is that he does indeed embark upon, if nothing else, to expand the Overton window with his presence alone. I think that would be a success. My fear is that 
the only person, even if all of his motivations are as pure as the driven snow. My fear is the only person that benefits from him being in the race is, is Vivek himself. And I just don't think people should run for, for president uh, unless they have a true like path for winning or accomplishing something. But I, I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to happen. My question to you is uh, the inverse of, of why I said Trump supporters should should thank their lucky stars that DeSantis is in the race. Can the inverse be true as well? Is DeSantis raising his game because because Trump is in the race? I think the biggest do anyway. I think the biggest benefit that DeSantis has with Trump in the race is Fox News. True. If Trump was not in the race, Fox News would be all Mike Pence, Nikki Haley all the time. Um, Ron DeSantis would be too far gone, too right wing, can't win. Um, we we you'd be looking at more of a traditional Republican arena, you know cycle where DeSantis is the candidate that the whole base admits we all want, but the gatekeepers starting at, uh, at Fox news at the Murdoch uh, building and, and on down have decided just isn't electable trans. And by the way, unelectable always means if he got elected, he would do the stuff that we don't agree with. We just don't want to tell you up front. We don't agree with it. Cause then you won't watch our stuff and buy our books. That's what it means. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if Trump were not here, DeSantis would be getting everything that Trump is getting without though, um, any cover from Fox news at all. He'd be, he'd be out. He'd be too far outside the mainstream for Fox news to even consider outside of say like Tucker. Okay. The rest of the lineup would all be, can Ron DeSantis win? Well, he actually just won by 20 points. Yeah, but that was just Florida. Now, now that Trump's in the race and they think Trump is can't possibly win is what they think. Suddenly now, Ron DeSantis is even more to the right wing administration than Trump's presidency that it, it can show that this can win everywhere. I, I think I think I think that's where Trump being in the race helps DeSantis. I think if Trump were out of the race, then all of the traditional establishment smoke would all be stop Ron DeSantis at all cost. And because the thing that people don't understand about the Republican establishment, in fact, I should, before we get out of here today, this is, I think, a very key point. The Republican establishment is not a monolithic group. <clears throat> there are people who are establishment. In fact, most people who call themselves establishment are what you described earlier, Todd. Just tell me who can win. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. Who can win? When we say establishment, we're talking like people who are on like, you know, hey, uh, hey Klaus. You got today's talking points. I mean, that's when we talk about it on shows like ours and in our audiences, that's who we think the establishment is, right? People who literally would just prefer that the country was called WEF instead of USA. And we are speaking Chinese now, right? That's really not most of the establishment. Don't get me wrong. That element absolutely exists, folks, without question. Most people, though, that you consider that that would consider themselves GOP establishment just really want to know, can you win? In the end, I'm just a whore. I mean, just win. All that matters is winning. We don't win. Nothing else matters. Got to win. It is that establishment that is lining up behind DeSantis because they don't believe Trump can win. He's too fixated on 2020. They may be right or wrong about that. I don't know. He's too disliked by too many people. Can't reverse his persona. The, those are, that, that's the people that DeSantis is, 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 is getting now to support him. Because they they don't think the other if they thought Nikki Haley and Mike Pence could win, they'd go with them instead. We've all moved the Overton window so far to the right now that Ron DeSantis is essentially there. Okay, fine. Okay, if we can't control you guys anymore, can we at least get one of your radicals that hasn't alienated forty five and a half percent of the American electorate yet? Can we at least do that? Maybe. 
that's the establishment that DeSantis is attracting. You still may not like that, by the way. That's totally cool. I don't, those, a lot of those people ain't friends of mine either, for that matter. But I think that's a very important distinction, okay? The entirety of the GOP establishment is not on the phone. It's not Mitch McConnell, I guess is what I would say. It's not. A lot of it's Lindsey Graham, who, by the way, showed up for Trump's um, campaign announcement to endorse him. <laughs> okay? Who do I think can win? Who would, who would enrich me? Who would give me a platform? Who will give me the best seat at the table? That's what much of the establishment is. I think this has been a helpful conversation to get us started. Yeah, good start. Yep. More to come as the months go on. We will do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers next. For the rest of you, see you tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.